0: Who knows there is no name better than Jesus Christ. There's no name above Jesus Christ, bigger than Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to turn in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 this morning. We're going to dive right in because there are some Cowboys fans in the room telling me church has to end by a certain time today. You know what? I expect them to be down at the altar this Sunday, not next Sunday. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. We see that Jesus is referred to by four different names, and I want to read this for you. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Who's ready for that? He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. Lord, I cannot wait for that moment where your son's government will come to full rule. And God, we will be experiencing that in its fullness for eternity. God, I pray that right now we can learn, although the world doesn't submit right now, we can learn to submit to that name and understand the mightiness of that name. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You know, if you look in Scripture, you are going to find that throughout it, Jesus is referred to by many names and titles. In fact, if you were to look, it, it can get a little overwhelming. In Cruden's Concordance, it cites 198 different names and titles in Scripture regarding Jesus. Imagine that, 198 different names and titles. And here are just a few. Savior, Redeemer, Bread of Life, Lord, Creator, Son of the Living God. Only begotten son, beloved son, holy one of Israel, king of kings, head of the church, the almighty, the alpha and the omega, master, king of the Jews, high priest, prophet, teacher, Emmanuel. Those are just 20 of 198. And as small of a sample size as that is, what I want to encourage you that the more names Jesus has doesn't add to confusion of who he is, but it brings clarity to who he is because they define his character. And so today what we see is Jesus is referred to as mighty God. Now we hear that word mighty and it's, it's hard to grasp the meaning of that name because we do not use that regularly in, in the English language. Common day today. But here are some synonyms that'll help you just kind of have a roundabout approach to what it means to be mighty commanding, dignified, exalted, glorious, grand, great, helpful, noble, superb, superior. I don't know about you, but when I think of the word mighty, I tend to think of a victorious warrior who pictures kind of that kind of setting, right? So someone that is standing in victory. And there's been very few people in my life that I would attribute the word mighty to. But there's this guy that uh, I know that I pastored for a while. His name's Jack. And Jack was a 20-year vet in the Army. And, and he retired out at 20 years, and Jack, he stands about six foot three, 240 pounds, and solid muscle. The, the guy is huge, and in fact, when you go to shake his hand, his hand completely engulfs yours, and he doesn't even mean to, but he squeezes that thing so hard that the blood rushes out to your head, and your head explodes. It's it's just a crazy thing that Jack can do, and I, I grew to admire the man because of everything he saw when he did his tours of duty, and he suffered from PTSD, and he was, he was struggling trying to find himself back into civilian life, but I'm very proud of Jack because just last month, month of November, he was elected county sheriff of uh, his county in Illinois, and it's, it's something very cool to see. And I, I always looked at Jack. And if, if there was anyone I ever attributed that word to, it, it'd be him. But with very good reason, few can bear the name mighty. Imagine if we could attribute that word to everyone that, in this room. It would kind of lose its meaning, wouldn't it? But I want us to look to the original Hebrew for the meaning of this name. It's translated from the word El-giver. And El-giver is defined as strength, power, hero, warrior. So think about those definitions for just a moment, and I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And I think it speaks to more of who Jesus is, and we can develop a better understanding of what it means that he is mighty. So Hebrews 1. Starting at verse 1, let's read. It says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. Did you see that? Through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Church, grab a hold of this. Jesus Christ, Always was. He's a part of the Godhead. He is a part of the Trinity. And so when God said in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image, that is referring to Jesus Christ, since the beginning of, of creation, had a hand in designing you. So God sends him down to the earth. So he can reveal himself to mankind, sympathize with our weakness, overcome sin and death by being our sacrifice on the cross. Jesus Christ is God's physical manifest presence to humanity. That's Jesus. And yet there is this power that many fail to understand Because we don't understand, to borrow from our last series, the spiritual war that is going on for our very souls. And so Jesus Christ and everything that he has accomplished, he is supreme. And scripture touches on that too. And church, I I, want to explain this real quick. We have a lot of scripture this morning. But the reason we do this, scripture can do one of two things when you have a lot of it in a sermon. It can add confusion or it can give you a better roundabout approach in understanding Jesus' mightiness. And so that's what we are doing this morning. I want us now to look at Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. It says, Christ is the visible image. Everyone say, visible image, visible image. of the invisible God. Everyone say, invisible God. invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme. Over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You have to acknowledge that if you choose to accept that Scripture is speaking to me, that in regards to this Scripture, there is no one greater than Jesus. We have to acknowledge that. And so we, when we look at Scripture, and we look at the... Time in history, where we're at, and everything Jesus accomplished, I can point to five signs of his mightiness, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. The first sign that we can see, if we look, is in creation. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it, said God, it says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Try and grab a hold of this. Think about the mystery that Jesus, part of the creation of the universe, he he had a hand in creating the universe, became part of the created. He's the one who fills people's hearts, yet, he came down to live amongst the hearts he would fill. He came to earth born in humility in a cattle's stall. I don't know about you but when I think about the things of God what is is hard for me to connect with when I think about mightiness when I think about supreme I picture someone who's born in a palace right someone who is of great influence who is, is noble from the moment it seems like they were born that that seems like what would be the, the perfect manifest presence of God would be something that was put in prominence right away but God chose a different path than what our minds would think you know many expected what the Messiah would look like what his reign on earth would be like but what 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 we didn't understand being fully God and fully man it helped him sympathize with our weakness what God has created is evidence that he is greater than anything else man can bow down to the second sign is by history. Who knows, you can learn a lot from history. Listen to Micah 5.2. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Here is a prophetic statement on where Jesus Christ is going to be born. And we can look to the Old Testament, verse after verse, prophecy points to Jesus Christ. It speaks to the need of a Messiah. And church, if you look closely enough, the history of the world is his history. It's a part of him. You know, Jesus Christ in John chapter 8, as he's here on the earth... He is arguing with the people over what it means to truly follow in the lineage of Abraham. Abraham, the, the, the father of their, their religion, and they, they look to him as the example. And here's the problem that Jesus saw. They weren't acting anything like him. And so he was frustrated because they hadn't properly learned from history. And so they're looking to Jesus as a man who had only been on the earth for 30 years, but Jesus made it clear that he was a part of Abraham's life. In fact, listen to what he says in John eight fifty eight. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Jesus says in regards to this, Luke 24, 27, it says, Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, Jesus could point exactly to that because Jesus had always been a part of it. And so he was teaching them history that he knew he had full knowledge of. Number three, third sign, his birth. Think about Jesus' might just through the aspect of his birth. His birth affected the stars of the sky. It affected the stars of the sky. And the star affected then the wise men who in turn they left their homes to go find the Messiah. And so Jesus' birth, it also brought angels from heaven to announce the very birth. That speaks to might just by how everyone responds In fact, the announcement of his birth, it shook King Herod. It shook King Herod so bad, he decided to have all male children killed two years and younger. All because Satan wanted to try his best to fight what was about to come. And you see, even as an infant, Jesus' power was revealed. It was obvious. Number four. We see his mightiness in his life. How he lived. Jesus displayed power by the miracles that he performed. I want you to listen to Matthew 12, 22 through 26. It says, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself, his own kingdom will not survive. What Jesus is speaking to is that he can display his own powers by the miracles and people even though they don't believe him, even though they've seen witness to other power in the demonic realm. Jesus is saying, no one controls me but me. And any kingdom that stands contrary to me Jesus brought the dead back to life. He healed the sick. He performed miracles. He did things no one else can do. The fifth thing. He displayed his mightiness in his death and resurrection. I want you to look at Jesus through this lens. He had the power to give his own life, and he had the power to raise himself from the dead. I really wrestled with this thought that Jesus had the power in and of himself to raise himself from the dead, but I want you to listen to John 10, 17 through 18. It says, the Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. So often, we look to Jesus as going to the cross as meek, mild Almost in defeat. And we know the story. We know the story that he, he's, he's sacrificed on that cross. He raises three days later. But think about that. Jesus had the power to give his own life. Many of us could not handle it. He chose to. So Jesus Christ, he may have been meek in spirit, but his meekness was power under control. Think about that. His power was displayed when he got angry because he could do it without sinning. You and I seldom can do that, right? Just as it was displayed when he was being beaten before his crucifixion, when scripture says he did not open his mouth. Think about the person of Jesus Christ for just a moment. This is part of the Godhead. He's fully God, fully man, and he lowered him. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, he lowered himself lower than the angels, came down to earth to sympathize with our weakness, could still call on at any moment the full power of God, yet chose to sacrifice himself for us. Jesus Christ may have been sacrificed as that perfect lamb, but church, let me tell you something. That same lamb, after paying the price for our sins, he turned into a roaring lion. He went to that cross with confidence and a fierceness for your soul. And the greatest news about this is I turn away from teaching. His power is available to you. His power is available to you. And so many Christians, we just walk through life, this mundane life, trying to get by, being beat down by every little trial that comes our way, not living in the fullness of God. And I think, church, it's time to change. Amen? I think it's time to change. Because Jesus Christ has given you the access. Listen to Ephesians 1.19. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. There's a scripture in uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 12 that runs parallel with this, and it says that we are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So once you understand, once you start to Fathom what God's power looks like. You embrace your purpose, then you are ready to walk in that same power. And the reality is that the way many of us live our lives, we are choosing to access it only when we want to. There's a story at the advent of electricity when they started putting it in people's houses. There's this woman in Wales. And not the animal. But country. Okay. Um, there's this, there's this woman in Wales and she uh, had received power to her home and the, the local power company is watching the bills to see the usage, right? Who knows, they, they like to charge you for that usage. And so they're noticing that she is barely getting any use out of her electricity. And they're thinking something Something is going on here. Something is amiss. So they decided to go visit her and see if there is something wrong with the electricity. She's like, no, no, no. There's nothing wrong. We turn on our lights just long enough in the evening to light our lamps. And then we shut it off again. And you think about the way you use electricity today. Church, would you agree we are so spoiled we could not live without electricity? I mean, some of us could, but that's another story. However, she was choosing not to fully access that all the time. And many Christians who have the full power of God available, ready to use, would rather focus on worldly things. Rather focus on the things of this life. Rather wallow in self-pity from time to time? Rather get angry than give it to God? Choose to be beaten in day in and day out? When you forget, if we read Romans chapter 8, you are a child of the living God. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, you have full access to that power. So we, church, we need to live our life with the influence of God's might by the people that you can affect. But your influence is going to be determined by God revealed in you and by nothing else. Capture that with me. You know, if if I am just going to try and live this life on my own and take that minimal access to God's power when I'm here at church on Sundays, Wednesday nights, when I choose to bring him into my home, come on, then when I go into that world, I'm going to operate in the world that I mostly know. And my influence is only going to get so far. And so what you have an opportunity to do, because I think we gather here and we can all agree that the world can be revealed God through us. And the only way that is going to happen is if you are choosing to walk under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit day in and day out. If you could come. Listen to Psalm 127.11. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. There's this illustration that I I love, and some of you have heard it before, so forgive me. For hearing it one more time. But a pastor compared what we can do for God to what ants can do for an owner's yard. Right? You walk outside and, and who's mowed, and you've mowed over that ant hill and you see them all start scurrying out of the ground and going everywhere. And I I can only imagine that we could be like that queen ant if that queen ant could, could talk and come out to the top of the hill and say, but look what I've done for you. Do you think you can do anything that is going to amaze the God of the universe? The God that created all? Or do you think if you chose to look to God as the one who can create all things, has power over all things, can give breath into man, can take it away, Don't you think that our obedience would please him more than what we think we can do? Some of you are like, but, Pastor, hold on. I can influence people for God, I'm a likable person. I've done some pretty neat things, I've got some talents. I am telling you, church, I learned a long time ago, my influence cannot affect anyone for eternity but through God. It takes the power and might of a living God. Listen to Philippians 1.6, it says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I am going to be a work in progress constantly. And I can't do it on my own, I need the access to God. And he's paved that way through Jesus Christ. And that's what makes him so mighty. that last song we sang says, when that temple veil, when it was torn, it released the access of the Holy Spirit to everybody. And so you and I, we have this ability right now that if we choose to, if we choose to surrender our life, we can tap in to the Spirit of God. And I believe it is only there that we can truly see a world changed. You know, you're looking around and we see this world that is in utter chaos. And it might be hard to believe, but I, I know God's in total control. And God is in total control of your life right now. But the thing I've learned about God is, as mighty and great as he is, He's also a gentleman. And right now, he chooses to yield to your surrender. Well, one day, Jesus Christ is going to return. One day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is an ultimate sign of surrender because everyone will not be able to deny his majesty. His mightiness. But we, right now, can choose to recognize His majesty, His mightiness. I want to tell you, church, it's hard, especially this time of year, a holiday that is all about Jesus Christ, to surrender all of our ideals over to him. I think about everything Christmas represents just in our culture, right? They start putting out Christmas decorations in September because Christmas sells, right? And if you turn on the local news, they'll talk about the relation to the economy and in turn the consumer impact in the holiday season. And you see how our world is driven. To where it seems like every Christmas party I go to, I've gotta provide a gift. There are expectations. And you know, I think we get so far away to just all intended purposes of what this is all about. And I think that's a great reflection of what is happening in our regular annual lives, not just during the Christmas season. You and I, we have many desires. And oftentimes they don't link up with the heart of God. And I'm telling you, church, one day God's going to bring an end to all that. And I say that, and some people might get their guard up and be like, That's, that sounds like a threat, Pastor. But when I think about mightiness, when I think about that victory, it speaks to power. And power, although it can be scary, because there are people out there that they carry power and they abuse it because they cause people to submit no matter what. But I am telling you that the power of God, the power and might of Jesus Christ, it is going to be on full display for all creation. And it can be on full display for us now if we choose to yield. And many people today are walking in some defeat, some kind of defeat. Maybe it's Bill's. Maybe it's job. Maybe it's family. And I am telling you, the only way that you can get through this life is if you've experienced that power through a firsthand encounter of laying your life down before him. You know what? He's a benevolent God that loves his creation. And church, when it comes down to it, and you can think about everything that this season truly represents. Aren't you thankful God chose a baby in a manger to display his power? I am. You know what? I you, You've heard me speak to this many times. I, I think as a preacher, we can choose to play people's emotions and I could have gotten excited today I could have preached with more heart but here's, here's the thing that I really want to get to I am tired of living a mundane life in Jesus Christ I'm tired of it no matter what is spoken here no matter all the altar calls here all the knees bowed down It doesn't mean anything if you walk out that door and everything is the same in your life. How do you expect the mighty power of God to translate to a world that needs to hear it if that's how you choose to live? And so there are times I I make it very clear, altar's closed today, the altar's out here. The altar is when you walk outside the doors. But church, there's an important decision that we have to make. We have to make the decision, will I, to borrow the phrase for the year, will I be intentional in my relationship with God? Am I going to be intentional in my prayer? Am I going to be intentional in my reading of the word? Am I going to be intentional in my submitting things over to him that he's convicting me of? Remember earlier when I said we're all still a work in progress no matter how old we get? Who here is perfect? Who here has attained perfection? You think maybe the older I get, the more perfect I'll become. The oldest in the room, is that true? Yeah, absolutely not. In fact, what you're going to find is that when you tap into that resource of the Holy Spirit, he is going to continue to unveil things that can reveal God's character and nature in what you might change to become more like him. And the older I get, the more of a mess I find out I am. And so the altar calls, they don't end it's knowing that I'm a constant work in progress, but is it's about making those changes. Turning about face from the from what I'm convicted of and choosing to surrender to God and who he's calling me to be. And that's responding to his might. And so church, what I encourage you to do right now is just bow your head. And I want you to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit because I believe that no matter where you're at in life, your maturity in Christ or your immaturity in Christ, the Holy Spirit will reveal in a way to you something that can draw you closer to God. It can be a truth about God or it could be revealing sin in you. But through that, what I find is that my heart is constantly drawn to him because he is so gentle in the way he deals with me. But yet he's such a powerful God that he can see through what's going on the outside to my very soul and speak to the things that are unspoken in my life. so right now I just want us to remain open to God and Kelton's going to lead us in worship and I want to seek him in this time I want us to respond I want us to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying and that can be different for the individual so what I encourage you to do right now if you're able bodied I'd ask that you stand because it's easy to get comfortable. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to take this moment to open yourself up to the Spirit of God that He can reveal in you who He is and who you need to become. And some of you might be hearing a message like this for the first time and I'm sorry because more speaking to the believer but I'm telling you that following Jesus Christ is as simple as belief. Romans 10 9 says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved. It takes a belief that starts here where you're convicted in knowing God sent his son to live and to die for you. And he rose again, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. So I encourage you, if, if you don't have that belief but you want it, I encourage you to approach me, Pastor Kelly, one of our board members, someone from our prayer team, and maybe you've prayed with him up here before. Maybe you need to connect with us for the first time. I'd be happy to walk you through that. But right now, what I want us to do is, I want us to surrender to what the Holy Spirit says to